Hello and welcome to the Creative of Colour podcast. My name is Simon Ferdos. I'm a TV comedy producer, director and writer. Creators of Colour began out of sheer frustration of how little UK TV has progressed with using people of colour in front of and especially behind the camera. Very few of us are making the decisions which leads to content being made about us, but not for us and certainly not by us. With the coronavirus lockdown, I decided to do a series of online Zoom workshops to help bridge those gaps. This podcast series is the culmination of all those workshops. They've been edited down, I fixed a few audio issues, but there are still a couple of rough moments with the audio dips in Zoom. As always, I've forgotten to press record, so this one drops in mid-question. This Creators of Colour workshop entitled Producing Entertainment and Comedy Ends for TV happened on Tuesday 21st of April 2020 with the phenomenal producer Adil Amini who has produced Catchphrase, Blind Date, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Last Leg and more. On that note, how did you get into producing for TV? Hard drugs, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, so... This is not going to come as a surprise to anyone. Um, and uh, in, in fact, before I, I do tell you about that, I'll tell you my, my background is that um, I'm looking outside and it's sunny Bradford in West Yorkshire, even though I don't have the accent, but I'm from a um, quite a strict conservative Muslim family um, from here and they don't have any TV connections. Um, so yeah, me getting into TV was a bit of a weird one and definitely uh, not something they were proud of at first. Really? But, you know, you always just want to, you want to do something creative and you just sort of follow your calling. And, and it, I just, you know, I, I don't know whether anyone else has felt the same, but you just never think it's an option for you, particularly when you're, you know, either from a family like this or from the North, because you just don't know how to get in. And you don't often see, well, certainly when I was growing up, I'm 34 now, but um, when I was growing up, you didn't really see that many people um, in the credits with, you know, what I would call an ethnic name or... Um, you know, people on screen who looked like me or were like me. So um, it sort of happened by accident. I knew I wanted to like write or perform or do something. I wanted to entertain people. And I luckily, um, and, and again, this is a bit that will come as no surprise, is that I got into a scheme because that is, you know, still the way that, that most of us can, can sort of get a foothold in the industry. A lot of what I do at the moment, and this is why I really appreciate what Simon's doing now as well, but certainly what a lot of us are trying to campaign for is that you, you sort of look at yourself and you think, could a young gay man from Bradford um, get into the industry right now as it is? And I don't think they could, like without any rich parents or financial support or a scheme. And that makes me really sad because you just think this industry should be open to everyone. And that's, that's certainly what we, we try and campaign for. And, and I'm sure we'll get up to the, the mental health stuff that I do as well. But you just think um, how, 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 you know, it, it's exactly what Simon's doing is not just getting in there, but also not making sure that you don't pull the ladder up behind you. Yeah. Making sure that you leave that for other people and just make this industry a little bit better. And certainly I think uh, entertainment is a really difficult one for that because when we talk entertainment I'm talking about like you know big Saturday night shows I'm working on catchphrase at the moment um stuff that's been around for ages things like blind day catchphrase um who wants to be a millionaire and then comedy entertainment like the last leg eight out of ten cats as countdown uh did a really horrible uh, late night ITV uh chat show comedy chat show called the nightly show but we don't talk about that because it was horrible <laughs> 
um, and yeah, so that kind of thing. And, and you know, they're really like popular entertainment kind of things. And you know, I, I often joke that like you know, the catchphrase, for example, gets about four point five million on a good on a good Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's before Britain's Got Talent, and that kind of audience is ridiculous. You don't, you know, a lot of people, a lot of my friends work on these really cool shows, and they say. Um, you know, and I'm sure they're very rewarding, but you know, they get like 1.2 million to, or, or you know, which isn't anything to, to you know, turn your nose off at. But at the same time, I have it's very few shows that get like 4.5 million or mm. so, and uh, things like Millionaire and Catchphrase do that. So you sort of think, well, I always joke as like, you know, I'm, I'm not, my audience is a Brexit audience. They, they are the sort of people that voted Brexit who, you know, not to, to sort of generalize it completely, but by and large, that audience is is that. And, and it's a really interesting challenge to sort of put yourself either in that mindset, but also subvert it so that you can um, try and push your own agenda really quietly. But it's that kind of thing is that historically these shows have been made by um, white middle-class people. It's particularly from, um, uh, you know, a real lack of brown faces. It's just like, it's, it's that common thing that um, even my parents have done it in the past. It's like, all oh, right, okay, so you are um, Muslim from Bradford and you're gay, and so you must work in drama or news. And I'm like, no, I <laughs> like to write about your nether regions and uh, other things and make innuendo on a Saturday night. And it's like, dude, come on, like, we also like being entertained. We also engage in that entertainment and we also want to create it. Like, why are you just sort of like trying to? you know, pigeonhole us. But um, to answer, it's a really long-winded way of answering your question, but I got in by a scheme from ITV uh, in 2008, and um, it was a research training scheme, which they were very good to honour during the credit crunch. Um, and we moved around a lot of productions in that time. That lasted for 18 months. And then after that, I was released into the wild and became freelance. Amazing. So I entered TV in 2009 and I think they stopped those schemes entirely. So it took me about four years to um, actually get my first proper TV credit. So I was kind of just working around the peripheries of TV until I got in there. Um, and that's when like um, TV Collective and um, uh, what is it? The, I can't remember what it's called now, but there's loads of other schemes open up, yeah, which, which are amazing. They're incredible schemes to get people in. Mm. Um, but it's a shame that we do have to rely on schemes or networks and stuff because it took me four years to build a network as well because again like yourself didn't have any connections whatsoever in tv was the first one in my family to do a non um like to do a creative job in the first place that wasn't in an office finance um or in a restaurant um and then my brother followed from from that which is i think really important That's, that's kind of why i do these things well to make sure that um, we're not just heavily reliant on schemes and that we're not pulling the ladder up behind us. Yeah, I think it's really important. My nephew, he said, oh, I might become a, like a director or something, which I would never have said when I was growing up. And he, he's uh, going to be 14. And you just sort of think, I think a lot of what we do and certainly pursuing it, it is going to be tough. But I think the, the rewarding part is knowing that we're not going to leave behind the world that we grew up in. Yeah. Communities that we felt were denied for us. Um, we're going to make sure that that doesn't happen to anyone else. And I think it's a shame that we, you know, along with all the other shit that we have to deal with on a daily basis, sorry, I, I'm, I'm going to just... Yeah. But, um, that we have to, that has to be our responsibility as opposed to, you know, the, the, the structures and the execs and the people who've been... But it's, it's just one of those things that we, we've sort of, <laughs> you know, adopted as our burden, isn't it? Yeah. But hopefully, 
it'll change. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of like heavy chat here, but no, it is fun and we're going to get to fun. <laughs> like producing entertainment is really, really cool. Um, and I will, I'm sure we'll explain why with the questions that are coming. <laughs> um, Alana, is it easy or harder to produce for entertainment or comedy ants? Or is there a difference at all? So I'm going to give you a really cop-out answer here and say they both have their own challenges. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with comedy entertainment, that is like, if you, you know, I'm sure Simon can back this up as well, but you know, the comedy entertainment is a sort of thing we call like the last leg, eight out of ten cats has countdown, the big nasty show, um, Mo Gilligan show, that kind of stuff. That is so you know, it's it's really exciting for people because it's that late night, almost the closest thing that we have to like those American comedy um, shows that you see and things go viral. And that's, you know, I think most people I've worked with in the genre want to work on one of those shows as their big dream. Um, and you get a lot of freedom, you know, you, you pass the watershed, you can come up with sketches, you could do like topical stuff. Um, there, there's also, a, you know, you get a sort of glimpse into a writer's room and it is interesting as well, like when I was doing Nightly, I had a different host every week, but they weren't strictly comedians, but there's an, also a really interesting challenge in being able to um, write a script in someone else's voice. And that voice could be someone that you don't really relate to, but it's interesting, it's quite a challenge. Um, it's even better when you find someone that you can relate to and you're like, you're in a writer's room and you think, okay, yeah, in any other place, people wouldn't get that joke or they'd be like, what the hell are you on about? But you get that, you get the support. Similarly, on, on the flip side, if you're the only person in, in, you know, sort of outnumbered in a way and someone comes up with a joke and you just think, you cannot say that, but you, you know, you have that power and you have that, you, you know, there's it's a, it's quite a, a thrill in it. And they do really well, you know, this is the, the sort of really uh, egotistical side, but they do well on Twitter as well, those shows, and people like them, and that's always nice, because most of the shows I do want to get slagged off on Twitter, but there you go, <laughs> they still do well. <laughs> yeah, I think entertainment, like just mass entertainment, can often be a bigger challenge, because I, I know not every producer thinks this way, um, especially not uh, any producer, not every producer of colour, but um, for me, it's like, how can I be subversive with such a mass audience and something that's so tried and tested? And that's not, you know, a reason to go into entertainment. Like, you can just produce entertainment for the sake of entertainment and, and you know, carry on. But for me personally, you know, I just want to add, you know, I want to see more of a certain kind of person on, you know, even on the celebrity side of things. You know, we book a lot of celebrities to play a catchphrase or millionaire or, you know, even the regular casting of it. Um, you know, getting a variety of people in. Um, it sounds really silly, but, um, you know, some of the uh, animations on catchphrase, we've got gay couples, interracial couples, interracial gay couples. You know, it's like, it's that sort of slow subversion. And you think, I know this isn't, no one's going to like notice this in the short term or it's not going to win any awards. Oh, people, people notice, people who it matters to notice. Yeah, I think, something. yeah, it's that representation of visibility. And, and, you know, with Millionaire, the sort of questions that we approve, um, the sort of people that we want to include and involve, the, even even the uh, the crewing up, like what is the makeup of this show and, and how does that reflect? And, and you do often realise that the shows that get into trouble quite a lot are the ones that don't have a diverse background because they've made some massive uh, error in judgment and no one's been there to tell them that you can't do that. You it's can't usually say. either they don't have a diverse background or they've um, tokenly hired diverse people and they don't want to actually hear their voices. And yeah. not listen to them because I've been in those rooms before where 
um i don't think i've been hired for it but it's it's not um but they know that they've benefited from me being a brown face. But at the same time, like if I bring up certain things that I think is not acceptable, um, I know that I've been talked down in rooms. Mm. And, I, and I think, you know, I will stress though, I will highlight that, you know, we're at the risk of, of, you know, making the same mistakes if I assume that everyone either in this room or who's listening mm. to this afterwards or who's getting into that entertainment, because I know people of colour, producers of colour who don't think like this at all, you know, it'd be remiss of me to think that um, everyone should think like this. Like, obviously, even within, you know, the, the different um, demographics, that we come in all shapes and sizes, and, and you absolutely do not have to think that way. You could just produce entertainment for the sake of entertainment, say, and, and, you know, there is there doesn't have to be a burden on you to, to be, um, you know, a, a champion of change, because a lot of us are doing that as well. So you should be able to just have fun as well, if you want. Yeah, yeah absolutely, 100% agree. Um, just as long as you're, I think, because um, I think there's a there's a danger sometimes of um, if something arises of shying away from from the bigger chat, and I think that's it's important not to do that. Um, like it's absolutely fine to 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 just have fun making shows, but I think it's also really important if those things arise to to address it, um, yeah. and also also to push for diversity in your teams and casting. Yeah, this sort of thing. Well, if you don't address it, and I suppose this goes for most workplaces, like you know, we walk in. I think one of the, the recent examples of then Lawrence Fox started mouthing off about, um, you know, or it, there was it was there was this weird undercurrent where you sort of someone mentioned it at work, mm. and I just thought, how many people maybe agree with him? Um, for those of you that don't, don't know what happened, it was um, was it Lawrence Fox was basically saying that um, I mean he was a victim of. Well, he's just just saying that racism didn't exist, basically, and, and yeah. it was all very. Um, it Britain, was just Britain's amazing. Um, yeah. He's also stigmatized as a white, well-off man with connections. Yeah, he's oppressed, um, basically, yeah. and, and it's not fair, and blah blah blah, just the usual stuff. And and you I know, like you to have in... that kind of oppression. <laughs> yeah. I have no oppression. Yeah, exactly. No connections. I like to have that. And um, you walk in and someone mentioned it and you just sort of, sort of thinking, oh my God, you know, how many people think that way? And honestly, some days you go into work and you just think, I don't have the strength. I don't have the energy to, to deal with this because I get so much of it and you're sort of battered by social mm. media in all sorts of ways that sometimes, and, and that's what I'm saying, you know, it's okay if, if one day someone says that and you just don't have it in you to, to yeah. fight. There's a lot on us already, so. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's been times where I've had to be like, I have to pick my battles and I think this day is a day where I just put my headphones in and just keep my head down and just get on with it yeah you just yeah. sometimes have to mm. yes indeed but yeah to go to to answer your question yeah the comedy and, and comedy entertainment I think definitely um two very interesting and different beasts but but you know they bleed really well into each other so yeah. I think the ultimate Ultimately, you're trying to entertain people uh, and or make them laugh. And yeah, they're, they're, they're very good sort of sister genres. Yeah. Um, following on from that, because you've managed to do this thing where it's quite difficult for it's very few people manage to do it, working in both entertainment and comedy ends, because usually other people get stuck just doing comedy ends or just entertainment. How have you managed to, to bridge that gap without getting pigeonholed? Um, I think it, it goes back to early on in your career, and I, I give mm. this advice to everyone that, that starts uh, in TV, 
and that is um, move around as much as possible. Um, if, unless you definitely know what you don't want to do. And for me, it was like news and um, sport. You know, I was like, I don't need to try them. I, I'm not going to do it. But I think that the best way of getting a varied skill set is to try things. And if you think that you might want to try, you know, I tried a bit of casting when I was a researcher. I did casting on Come Dine With Me. Um, and oh, that's few- the worst one. To- <laughs> it was really bad. That was the one that made me think I want to go into entertainment because right. I was someone stares at 2am while they were crying about their cat, blind, drunk. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, I did not leave Bradford for this. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was, it was one of those things I thought, no, for me personally, TV was always shiny floors, celebrity entertainment, chat shows, that kind of thing. And, you know, I had the opposite feeling when I used to work on Alan Carr's chat show um, in, in 2012. I did, uh, that was a good year for me, actually. I did the Olympics and then did um, Alan Carr's chat show. And I was like, you know, you had like Taylor Swift and Nicki Minaj on the, on, on, on the couch. And you're just like, this is why, this is why I got into it. Like, this is what, it was so, yeah, it was so exciting. My brother's like trying to get tickets and come down. He's <laughs> like, yeah, that's, for me, that's TV. But for some people, it's like gritty documentaries and whatever. But for me, I'm just like, nah, give me, give me the celeb stuff. Give me the, give me the glitz and glamour. Um, so yeah, I would say at the beginning of your career, like I was lucky enough that I was on a scheme, but I've seen, like for me, casting just reminds me of my days at a call centre. You know, I used to really do a call centre job when I was uh, 18 and then at uni as well to, to sort of support myself through it. And if, when you're on the phone and you're like, you know, working out contributors and then going to film them, for me, I, I didn't really um, I didn't really enjoy it, but some of my really close friends are casting producers who absolutely love it. They love the thrill of finding that character they can put on screen, of finding the sort of, you know, the, the chemistry between two people or the clash. And, and, you know, they love that kind of thing. The psychology behind it being like a people person of like being constantly on and talking to them and getting anybody on your side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then they don't have as much to do with, with ideas generation or, you know, for example, on, on a show like Blind Date, um, you know, there's a casting team who are massive, are obviously getting the people there. Yeah. And then my assistant producer would basically script everything the host would say that the... Uh, the person who's, who's asking the questions would say and then also on the other side like what they'd re- respond and it becomes really you know that's a real creative side that, that you get to play around with um when we did non-celebrity catchphrase there would be a, an entire casting team and they would go out and do auditions and stuff like that and then they would and then uh, me and my sister producer on, on, on catchphrase what we do is firstly come up with the phrase that, that we're gonna put on there but also we pitch the storyboard and the animation which is really, it's so exciting and it's so much fun because you get so much control over like these mini films and you get to tell a story, which is ultimately just people, people are just going to guess. But that sort of, you know, creativity, that's what appeals to me. But then you also have people who go to production and like go into like the, the budgeting and the, the production management side. But for me, I think how, you know, people are just like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. And, you know, I'm not sure, like, is this what I want to do? I've always wanted to try scripted. And I was like, if you're at the beginning of your career, do it, just try it, like go for it. Because later on down the line, if I want to retrain now as a casting producer, it would be really hard. If I want to go into scripted, it'd probably be quite difficult. Um, I, so think, I, I disagree. I don't think it's because I think everything that you've um, achieved so far is transferable. And I think if you really wanted to, I think you could, you could make that switch, but it's just to finding 
the new route in from that level of career. So like if you wanted to get inscripted now, it would mean creating a short film or something to get into it through that way. Um, yeah. yeah. Or whatever. So it's just finding new routes in at different stages of your career. But yeah. I 100% agree with like where you start, because I started off in um, production and edit and post-production actually. But all of that, I always knew that I wanted to be in the editorial side of things. This was just my way in. And actually everything that I learned in those roles has benefited me so much in my producer career because now I know budgets before I need, like I'm already, I'm like the PM's dream when it comes to making, creating stuff because I already know what we can and can't do or be, where I'll need to be creative with yeah. stuff. Um, and worked on like big fat quiz and stuff where there's montages, I can cut montages because I was an editor as well. Yeah. Uh, all of those things, everything's a skill. Like not, don't ever, I personally think, don't ever think anything that you've done previously won't help you with a job now. Oh, I, I definitely agree on, on that front in that you know the other reason to move around as much as possible and try different roles is that I think because of my varied CV I think I'm a better producer for it yeah. I was a better for it and if you understand the entire like if you just focus on you know your side of the picture let's say you're shading in just just your mm -hmm. element and not looking at everything else then you don't know whether it's it's right or wrong or whether it's going to fit or it's going to be good or not but if you have the ability to you know you've already tried a bit of that you've done that or you can step back and look at the whole picture you know how much hard work is going into other things mm. it'll make it'll inform your little bit of that picture so much more and it will make it does make you much more rounded well not just producer i think even a researcher an ap and I always find that the ones who, um, the, the APs and researchers, the assistant producers and researchers who um, I gel with best are the ones who just get it and they get, okay, yeah. I can't just ask casting to do that because that's not really what they do. And, you know, that won't work in the edit and that kind of thing. And you, you learn that stuff on the job as well. But it, it does, it, it is a, a weird one. I think probably not so much from my side to the other, um, to like casting, but certainly I think, you know, there are some roles where it becomes more difficult to, to move sideways because um, you're sort of competing against people who've, who've got like, you know, 12 um, entertainment producer credits and, and, you know, you've got maybe one or two. Yeah. But we're trying to change that as well. I think, you know, it's unfair to think that one person can just, or, you know, just wants to do just one thing for the rest of their lives. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a weird one. And what advice would you give to people trying to enter the industry? I'd say, it, it, I think we've touched on it earlier, mm. but I think, um, yeah, move around a lot. Like, you know, just try different things, um, see what works for you. And, you know, don't, don't feel like, you know, the one thing that you started out in, that's your path forever. Like, you mm. know, you, you can do a lot. And also, I think... Um, it makes people more aware of who you are. Like I, I found that my friends who stayed at one company, which is, you know, tempting because it's financially stable and you get a regular paycheck. But when you come out on the other side of it, you haven't, people aren't really aware of who you are. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, definitely um, move around as much as you can. And I think, you know, use what you have and what you've been through as a strength for sure. And, and even when you think it might not be able to apply like on an entertainment show, or a comedy entertainment show like you can you're you're there for a reason and certainly your experience should um stand out and and it shouldn't be um dismissed in any way um and i think you can use that we can all use that to inform um 
programs and, and make them better and, and certainly more diverse. Um, and I would say also just look around you, you know, look at the, the, the people in this room, don't look at each other as your competition. No, yeah. Look at each other as, as a support and as people who, you know, if one opportunity doesn't work for some person, you might be able to pass it on to another. Or if you've had an experience and you want to share it with someone, you know, that might be, you know, I think one of the, the, the biggest myths in this industry is that freelancers that we're all against each other. And actually, I think we're, we're much stronger if, if we are together and, and talking. Um, oh. um, I've had people um, who are applying for a job and have passed it on to me as well. We're, we're all applying for the same job, but we're all happy for each, for each other to try and get it, whether it's me or the other person or whatever. Mm. Um, and also, um, you just reminded me, one thing I didn't realise starting out, how much it's okay to just message a show that you love and ask the producer, are you free for a cup of coffee? And now, you know, Zoom chats. Yeah, yeah. Just ask. Never, never underestimate. No. Yeah, never underestimate the ego of a producer. My God, if someone seeks me out from a family from the credits and... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I quite, you know, I'll be like, yes, great. You've taken the initiative. I like this. Um, I generally and, think like, oh, they're so busy. They're not going to have time for me. It's like, no, they'll find time for you. But it's fine. Like they're, yeah. And I think always try and push for a face-to-face -face meeting because it's so much um, harder to forget somebody that you've met than it is, uh, you know, email that, that doesn't have anything, um, you know, to go with it. I think, you know, try and push wherever you can. If it's a quick lunchtime chat or you know, want to pick your brains about career stuff, most people will be happy to, to give advice. The other bit of advice, actually going back to the question, I would say is hold your nerve where you can, because being freelance is bloody difficult. It's, it can be really hard. And there are times when, you know, as a researcher, I did have to take the occasional second job and, you know, sign on to the doll in between, uh, in between TV contracts sometimes, because it's not always, you know, it can be seasonal, it can be, up and down it's just the way the nature of the business nothing really prepared me for that uh, when I got into it because well, again so people don't talk about it but they're all doing it so mm. it's, there's no shame in that none at all and and you know like I said the film and tv chat can help with little grants here and there um there, there's a lot of support but you know you can often turn that inward and be like oh my god is it me or like you know is it, why is my phone not ringing and you know it's a real you know but, but I would say just hold your nerve and remember that you're there for a reason the jobs that you've got have been for a reason and sometimes it is nothing to do with yeah. anything other than the fact that it's just seasonal yeah. January February is always quiet December is always quiet if you haven't had a if you haven't already locked in a contract it's just the way it is unfortunately mm. um yeah, I've had the same. And even even now, like, um, I find it easier because I've got more, um, I've got a bigger network now, but even then I'll still have like a month between contracts. Yeah. Um, sometimes I won't be able to bridge that gap. And other times where like I, I haven't got something lined up, but you just got to have faith that something will come up because yeah. um, it often will. And I think, you know, the other thing, you know, we're here talking about entertainment and I feel like I should just sort of add, add the, the jazz hands bit, but you know, <laughs> Ideas, Enter, you know, the way that we entertain people on a daily basis, whether it's your Instagram story or something, you know, that you've cropped and put together for, for Twitter or, you know, the way you're entertaining your family. Like, it's all entertainment. People And people need entertainment now more than ever. So yeah. you know, use that. Use those strengths, those ideas that you come up with. Obviously, be a little bit conservative with your ideas so someone doesn't run off with them. But um, <laughs> you know, just, uh, you know, that, that's obviously why we love entertainment. We just yeah. get to create 
stuff from from here and it's 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 brilliant to see it on screen and that can be anything you know it could be um you know there are shows that i've worked on where i've looked at entirely after the music performances and you know um i mean disclaimer it was boy's own but <laughs> it was their 20th anniversary special so it's fine we've all looked um, after boy's own come on danny minogue's out it's great um but you know it's that kind of thing about the visuals the dancers you book dancers you look at the choreography you look at the rehearsals a friend of mine who um, was my assistant producer is now the creative, uh, one of the creative leads of Strictly Come Dancing. So, you know, dealing with the band, the music. Um, I used to look after the music choices on Dancing on Ice, so what people are going to skate to. Um, so the entertainment, you know, it can, there's so many different forms it can take. Um, and it's just all, it's just having that creative mind, isn't it? Well, so something simple as um, just reminding people that you work with, that you're free. Oh, have I frozen? Am I back now? Am I back? No. Oh, hang on. I think you've, you've frozen. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, oh, there you are. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah, something simple as um, just reminding people that you've worked with in the past uh, that you're available now because they don't always know that you're free. So just, you know, update them. You know, nice to, you know, haven't seen you in a while. This is what I've been up to. Here's my updated CV. I'm free now. Just something as simple as that is so important. Mm. Um, and also... Um, just follow them on social media. I have producers and execs and old commissioners actually on my Instagram. And that reminds them when I'm, you know, with my stories that I'm free or whatever, or how creative I can be or other things that I'm doing and yeah. it keeps them up to date. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, there's, there's two points I was going to make. I'm going to do a cheeky little plug here, um, but okay. this will be really relevant for, for everyone here. I think TV Mindset, we're running a talent manager forum. So that is 10 talent managers. So talent managers are the people who basically do the hiring and deal with a lot of, you know, people from basically all the way from runners up to, can be producers to execs, but they, so we've got people from the BBC, um, former Endemol, ITV and their various arms, but we've got 10 of them tomorrow doing a webinar. And that is for everyone. It's for entry level, it's for all the way up to, you know, producer. The other thing I was going to say about the creative side actually is, you know, with, as you know, individuals and creatives of colour, I just like to think we've been exposed to something. Well, most of us, I'm, I'm guessing, have been exposed to something a little bit different to you know what we see on mainstream TV in our own cultures, and you know the creativity that comes with that, um, and you know is such a stereotype. But I, I loved you know Indian and Pakistani films when I when I was growing up. I loved them, and I feel like a lot of that. You know, funny funny facts though. I actually didn't listen to any English language music until I was like fifteen or sixteen because yeah. I didn't really like it. That's what my parents. <laughs> did. But I think. But then I then I started running a music website and like doing new music reviews for like indie and and like obviously English language music. Um, and we did loads of video interviews and stuff like that. But I always say that you know they were like, oh, you know, what why what makes you like into music and and criticism and that kind of thing. And I said, I think it's because how I was informed about like melody and structure and all of that stuff from the stuff I listened to growing up mm. it's easily applicable there but you look at things in a different way so I think yeah don't if, if you've grown up with with something a little bit different own it as well and try and you know bring that into into your um you know creative side as well I love that so it's you're transferring the skills you already have and rather than letting it restrict you yeah, or feel embarrassed by it, because I yeah. used to as well. I used to feel really embarrassed by my culture. And I'm like, well, now I'm just like swearing in Punjabi. And like, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I think a lot of um, social media is open up to people just owning themselves. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, there were before, uh, I know you've got a couple of questions from, um, from, from people that have sent in. I will say one thing about, you know, I, I feel like I don't want any, anyone to be put off with, with sort of the daunting side of all of this. Like, honestly, entertainment is such a fun thing to do. I love my job. Like, the, the things that I get to do in the name of work are ridiculous. <laughs> And I absolutely have the most fun at work, you know, with the right workmates and the team. And, you know, if it were up to me, I would get everyone to work in entertainment because it shows that TV can be really fun. And you don't have to take it too seriously. You know, the, 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 where I, I'm lucky to work in environments where there aren't, you know, many late nights, things run themselves, where, you know, looked after by really uh, considerate execs. Um, and it is just a really, really fun place um to be in it is something you know there's a, there's an ethos though at the moment which which hopefully you know we're hoping that the future is easier but um i did put it on, on my twitter and instagram today because someone was just like talking about having a seat at the table which is obviously a lot of what these um discussions are about and i just i, I sort of woke up this morning and i read that and i was like i'm not i'm not after a seat on the table i'm building an entirely new table for us all yeah. And I think so many of us, you know, rest assured that the people like me and Simon and so many of us are doing that for, for people like you. So, you know, keep that hope for sure. It's, it kind of um, reiterates that, that thing of we're not, we don't want white stories reimagined with us in it. We want stories that had us from the start. Yeah. It's that thing. It's like, we don't want a black James Bond. I want a new, entirely new spy where she was yeah. black to begin with and she's not having to be in a, that, that white structure. Yeah. And sometimes you play within the structure, like I say, entertainment, for example, I, I get a lot of, uh, this is my rebellious side, but I get a lot of glee because I know, like I say, it is mainly a Brexit audience. You know, the shows that I, I watch, I'm just like, haha, if you look at the credits, a game is Lippin' Bradford made this. <laughs> <laughs> sort of person, yay, hey, and you're enjoying it. Oh, I, did that, I, that, I did that every Christmas. Yeah. There's the whole sort of like, um, you know, the, you just enjoyed a Christmas show made by a, a Muslim woman. Yeah, exactly that. And it's just like, and you play within, you can play within the boundaries, but you can have a lot of fun. And again, there's a lot of scope to do other things. And yeah. I think one of the things I like about being freelance as well is that in between that stuff, you know, in between actually getting paid, mm. you can do whatever you want, which is great. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Within that, um, what advice would you give to people who are mid-level in their career trying to move up to produce level? Because it can be a tricky um, change. Yeah, it's... There is an easy answer. I would say definitely mm. with people you know because um, they're the ones who are most likely to give you a promotion um, in terms of, you know, they've worked with you before. I think, you know, the other thing is, is just be bold. Um, if you've got a CV with like, you know, eight researcher credits or you've been researching for like two years and you want to move up to a sister producer, your CV can back that up. Um, I think there are other ways of doing it that aren't, you know, so straightforward because ultimately a commissioner is going to, or a exec is going to be like, mm, you know, this, you've got no researcher credits unless they know you. And mm. then that CV here, which has got like, you know, 12 research credits. So, you know, they're, they're going to think about that for sure. And it will depend, you know, so it'll be a bit of a risk assessment on their part. But I think be bold um, if it's people that you haven't worked with. And also if it's people that you have worked with and say, look, I'm ready. And, and they'll probably tell you or they'll give you at least a junior AP or a junior, you know, that might be some sort of middle ground. Um, the other bargaining tool I've, I've tried to use in the past and, and successfully, it's not, I'm not proud of it, but... 
uh, don't worry, I didn't get on my knees or anything. Um, but it was more that I, um, I said, look, I'll work for the same rate as, you know, I'll say work for the same fee, but just give me a higher credit because you know how to do it. And if you can't afford it, but I still want the credit. Or I've said to somebody that I'm really close to on the job, say, look, you know, I've kind of done the same job as the AP here or the, the you know, whoever it is. Like, would you be okay? Because you're my reference. Like, can I put AP down? And like, you know, it, it will just depend. And, you know, those are sort of roundabout ways of just getting that stuff on your CV. But I think all of them require a bit of boldness and, and just knowing your worth as well a little bit, I think. Just, you know, yeah, I can do especially, this. Especially if you've been hired, say, as a researcher and you realise that you're actually doing a lot more. Um, and especially if, you, if you're doing more advanced, like, AP work, then absolutely you should push for it. Mm. And, and I would say on that note as well, actually, a really good good skill to have is just try and get yourself involved where you can in every other department that is, you know, mm. I said to a coordinator once and she was dealing with a lot of budgets and stuff and she's like, oh, I really want to come up with ideas. I was like, well, send me some then. Mm. And our office runner um, on Catchphrase, she, she's looking after the entire office, but she loves the creative side. And, you know, I said, well, look, I don't, don't have a problem. If, you wanna, if you've got the time to send me stuff, um, even though it's not your role, I will totally take it. A good idea can come from anywhere. Yeah. And, um, and again, it goes to that pigeonholing. You might be a casting person, but you can make yourself available to the, um, the, the more creative side. And she sent me, she's brilliant, actually. She's also a creative of colour. Um, and I, I absolutely love her. I've sort of taken, under, taken her under my wing, but she sent some phrases through and some ideas for animation. And they made it on screen. And I said to her, I was like, you know, if you want to put down that you were one of the researchers on Catchphrase, like 100%, that is entirely, you have see, you have pitched an idea, it's gotten on screen and it's been used on the show. Like, for me, you have got those skills. So if I'm your reference on your CV, which I know I am for her, I was like, I'll back you up on that. Like, 100%, that's what you do. I'm not telling a lie by, by saying that. Yeah. But you, and, and she's done that by... I think it takes a little bit of two-way thing, but you know, like I often ask people what they want to do and then like people what they want to get into so that they can, um, I can make, I think, I think you should go through a job learning a new skill. Like by the end of the other side of it, it's great if you've learned a new skill, but you know, she made that clear to me. I was like, great, cool. Totally. There are some productions where I'm like, Oh my God, I don't have the time, but you know, you will still keep that in mind for them and, and, and certainly for the future um but yeah i think make yourself available for the creative stuff as well even if there's not a direct route to it in the job that you've been given right thank you uh, so we've got a couple of questions that were sent in in advance uh, so from be asked um how long does an idea stay in development uh <laughs> how long is a piece of string <laughs> um, there are ideas that i've seen because i've done a bit of development as well in the past um quite recently actually for thames who make uh, x factor and bgt and that kind of stuff um and it can be really weird like a commissioner at a channel can say right we want this kind of show and you might have just the perfect idea and it can be commissioned within a week everything just ticks their boxes and they you know they've got the right talent everything um other shows can be in development for about two years um, it on. yeah and a different form of the idea can be going around companies. Some companies can say, no, a commissioner can leave and then another one can come in. You can reversion the idea. And, it, it, you know, it really is, it's not an exact science at all. But if you think that, you know, if you and your company and your development company think that they've, you've got a good idea that's worth holding on to, then um, commissioners can be quite honest as well. Like, you know, if there's something in there and it's worth working up to, then it can, you know, it can go further. 
and development's an entire, I feel like that's an, you know, an entire hour long talk in itself, but, you know, just coming up with the ideas that actually make it on screen. So, you know, I've also, even though I produce the shows, I've also done the job of like coming up with the idea that someone else can then produce. So you might find that, you know, again, that's a really, you could do that for entertainment, you could do documentaries, you could do that for so many different, you know, factual entertainment, so many different genres. Um, but yeah, even entertainment development is, is also um, a place where I feel like we could do with more creative cover. Sure. Thank you. Um, so Rebecca asks, um, would you like to know more about the pitching process when you have a pilot script and proof of concept films? So it's more like taster tapes and, and stuff mm. like that. Um, it's a little bit, it's not, it's not too dissimilar to The Apprentice, but yeah. just less, less scary, um, <laughs> I think. But again, it depends on, on, you know, your role with the commissioner um, and obviously who you're going in with. If you're going in with your development exec or the MD of the company or whoever it is who's doing the pitching. Um, yeah, when, when you get there, it can be, it's, it's just setting out your stall, isn't it? It's like, right, here's an idea. And you've got to, in that short space of time, hold the attention of, of this commissioner who's going through so many different ideas a day. Um, and that can often, you know, be a zingy taster tape. It could be a presentation. It could be, you know, a person. It could be, you know, talent taken in. But the, the pitching process, it's not as straightforward as, like, I, I think it's what we call saying yes in the room. I think so few productions get that yes in the room. So pitching is not a, just a yes, no thing. You'll probably go back, you'll tweak it, you'll come back, then it has to go through the budget. And like, you know, then they'll decide like basically for, commissioners are looking for any reason not to give you their money. So don't <laughs> give them a reason, like just, just make sure that everything is, is, is what type. But you know, if they send you out of a room and they, it's there's something there maybe this this and this that's that's a, a sort of victory like you're going to go back it's not a no and again i think yeah there's there's um it takes a lot for a commissioner to be like they might just shrug their shoulders and be like okay it's not worth seeing that but um it's a very rare production or very rare idea that gets a yes straight away so um don't don't let that ever disarm you if, if you get that you know into, into the pitching room Hi. Um, so there's a, there's kind of like two questions in one. So when you're starting out, do you having like a huge gap between TV experiences matter, or do you like higher ups or like management care that you have haven't had like an eight month project since like February to like November? Like, do they care, or does like, and if they do, how do you go around that? Um. I think everyone's different, but for me, actually, if I look at the TV, I tend to just look at the, uh, the credits rather than the time frame. Um, I don't really look at that because I just think everyone's got their own personal circumstances, and and I don't think you know. I took six months off uh, at one point. Um, I know people who've taken gap years and you know gone travelling uh, in the middle of their career. Um, so I don't I don't think it matters too much. There may there might be a question. Some some interviewers might ask, okay, well, what were you doing in that time? But I don't think it should really impact whether they hire you or not. But then maybe that's me just being idealistic and hoping that they don't. But I know that I wouldn't. Um, so yeah, I don't know if Simon's got any any um, insight. No, um, I think for me personally, it's usually them just curious as to what what you're doing in that time, rather than it being, oh, well, what was she doing? It's not inquis. It's not um, it's not a negative question. No, and I think I think in this day and age as well, I think people are pretty open almost about you know their own personal circumstances, and if 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 that is the case, then um, 
you know, that's, I think it would be absolutely fine, obviously, to share as much or as little as you want to. Certainly now, at this point... Yeah, a lot of us have that. Oh, <laughs> you're like, what were you doing with you? Well, for the entirety of 2020, you're like, well, <laughs> stay home. But having said that, um, entertainment, like, I, I literally got a notification earlier before this started, um, and there's been a really interesting entertainment commission um, that's happened during this lockdown, which is a reboot of Family Fortunes, the old uh, game show, and they're going to send cameras into people's homes. But oh, that, wow. I, I love it because it's like, okay, entertainment is what the nation needs and this company has found a way to get a really traditional fun format and reversion it and provide new a new form of entertainment for the country um and it's created loads of entertainment jobs so i'm like thrilled i'm like this is brilliant if i wasn't working i'd be sending my cv straight away but you know it, it, again entertainment can come in all different forms and it's being really crafty but yeah certainly um with the gaps in the cv i don't think certainly especially after corona like I don't think anyone's gonna care. Hi um thank you so much for uh doing this both of you um um my question is like practically speaking where so I live in Birmingham and there's not much in terms of like <laughs> comedy or comedy entertainments and being able to like work in this side of the industry because there's like news um but like you said if you know you definitely don't want to do something then yeah. you don't have to um but it's good that you said that like moving around in like different positions um in different genres that you do want to work into just to kind of widen your skill set but practically speaking um I think like culturally as well it's like can I sofa self I'm <laughs> coming from my background like and just being like I don't like that kind of capability of being able to um just like show up to London for like eight amount of weeks or like like even longer um and just being able to be like yes yeah, so I, I can be here for this amount of time and to be able to afford that and like that kind of accessibility mm. is very hard to kind of come by I think like for someone like me um because it's a it would be like an awkward conversation where it's not like yeah uncle um like I need work experience at the hospital so that's fine like that would be normal <laughs> but like be like okay uncle can I, I stay um in my cousin's room because I want to work on this tv program or something like that like those are very difficult conversations to have for me um like my immediate family say they're very like supportive in that sense but they're also like well how are you going to get a job and how are you going to be able to afford to even do that job mm. so then like the longer I'm like trying to because I'm a student like I'm a master's student and I've got like a part-time job at John Lewis and I'm trying to save and everything like that and it's just like how long like first of all if there's an opportunity that comes up and I get it but then there's also when do I take the jump mm -hmm. because it's a risk and it's always like well there's no safety net yeah yeah and I, I you know it's one of the biggest problems in this industry and, and one of the things that you know I'm really glad that people shifting stuff to regions is is I can only think of it as a good thing because it will help people who aren't you know who are from certain backgrounds who can't take that risk um firstly I will say my condolences for living in Birmingham um, <laughs> um but no I think the I don't have the accent though, so don't come for me like that. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> the Bradford accent. Also, I can't talk, can I? We obviously lived through two sets of riots. Um, so, uh, no, I think I totally get it. And, and I think, you know, our backgrounds are probably quite similar in that sense, in that um, I do think, and, and I'm fully aware of the privilege, you know, that I have in the stuff that I say, because I know that if I were a woman, I would not be in just from the family that I'm from and the uh, place that I'm from. I know full well that, that um, uh, yeah, if, if, I, if I were a Muslim woman, I wouldn't be able to see what I'm doing. And that's really unfair and it's shit, but um, it, is, it is a truth. So what can we do with that knowledge and try and make it work? Um, I would say the practicalities, it's not all about London. Um, so, you know, there's other things that you can do and, you know, Birmingham, if, if London is, is feeling too daunting, there are other, perhaps other options. There's a lot of entertainment that's produced in Glasgow, certainly in Manchester, and soon Leeds as well, where Channel 4 are moving a lot of stuff and they're doing um, a step show. Um, so, yeah, there, there's, um, I think, you know, rather than thinking that London is, is the goal, certainly, but it might be in the long term, but see what you can do either in, in a reasonable commuting distance or, you know, just, just getting the odd week or two there that you can maybe, you know, put yourself up in, in some cheap accommodation and not have to rely on someone else. And, um, you know, the more those jobs start coming through, I think you'll probably get the, the idea of whether um, you're ready to move to London. And again, even when you do make that move, there's no guarantee that, you know, there won't be a couple of fallow months and, and months that you, but I think, it's a calculated risk, isn't it? I think you've got to just, you know, give yourself the best opportunity of, of, you know, once you get that foothold in London of surviving, and that might be the odd week or two here and there. It might be, you know, Airbnb, not so much couch surfing, but maybe just getting your own accommodation, um, or you know, similar. That there might be stuff that that um, you know certain groups can help you with. Mm. Um, but I would say maybe look, you know, look at other other places that seem a little bit safer or they might be more, you know, that might be more acceptable, um, you know, for your family or, or for you and, and, and then take London more bit by bit. Yeah. Um, also, I would also recommend just researching different shows because you would be surprised at what shows get made out of Birmingham. Like Travel Man was all made out of Birmingham. Uh, Guz Khan show was made out of Birmingham. Yeah, I was, um, I was the trainee producer on oh, uh, Man Like Mabin series three. So um, that was insane <laughs> because Congratulations. I, oh, thank you. Um, inshallah, I just hope there's more opportunities yeah. like that and I can make something of it. It's just that I've become, um, because I'm just finishing off like my master's this year, mm. I've been really conscious that like I'm out of the game, so to speak. And oh, cool. I don't want to kind of like, just disappear into the abyss and become like irrelevant so I'm trying to keep up with like what it is that I can do um and stay in touch with the connections that I have made because it was such a supportive environment and I applied on kind of a whim because I've only ever known academia um I like I'm I am like that kind of straight-laced book girl um I always have been um so then when I applied and then when I managed to get the producer role, um, it like I, I've never done anything like it before, but I know that I can do it because by the end of it, um, they said that like they extended like my contract and the trainee director contract because 
they liked us that we could do it and it wasn't any longer just like a yeah fine the scheme itself could have been seen as tokenistic because when we were on set everyone else that was part of the crew was still white and we were the we were the ones like adding the spice and adding the color um, behind the camera um but then to have been given like a further opportunity to stay on for like post-production it felt like we did like we were there on merit and we are there on merit and we do have like stuff to offer um so it's just where you are in birmingham um your cardiff is not too far there's loads of productions especially scripted out in cardiff uh bristol as well there is another hub um, and also you'll be surprised at how receptive your family are when you act, when, when you have a confirmed job and you need somewhere to stay, you'll be surprised at how receptive and the change, you know, they, they will accept it more. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the unknown when they don't know what job it is or it could be, they don't understand what TV is. That's, yeah. that's what they can't understand. But once they know a job exists, that's something that they can see and understand something tangible for them and i think as well the bits in between because i got it for so long the, the you know when you're not working i think what you need to realize is that it just comes from a, a place of fear from their point of view as opposed to um you know uh casting aspersions on your career or your talent because they've always known like nine to five jobs and stability and stuff and we're in work out of work and they're like can you not get like a regular stable job but that's just you know, I've always found it's like they're they're just worried for their child. I guess is 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 the thing. Um, very quickly, I'll just say a, a couple of things. One is that um, the scheme thing is interesting. I've just learned to make peace with them now and been like, do you know what? Don't ever feel ashamed. Or yes, sometimes they are tokenistic, but just you know, let's use that to our advantage. Like you know, I'm sure if they were available for other people, they would be doing the same thing. So I don't feel like we should ever feel bad. It can feel that I know some people are like, oh, I don't want a scheme and whatever. I'm just like, no, they're there for us. So let's just use them and, and let's, you know, do what we can to, to level our playing field. So don't ever feel bad about that. Thank you for listening to the Creators of Colour podcast. You can find me, Saima, on Twitter and Instagram at Saima Ferdos and on Twitch at Saima F and Adil Amini on Twitter and Instagram at Adil Amini. You can find TV Mindset on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Please support the podcast by tweeting and Instagramming about it and liking, subscribing and leaving a review. It is available on all podcast platforms.